Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Maybe if we had a louder gravitational wave signal, we could use the Earth as a detector. And if the Earth is destroyed, then yes, we have detected gravitational waves. <laughs> Unfortunately, we've destroyed another planet. <laughs> Welcome back to Dead Planet Society. This is a podcast where we imagine what it might be like if we were given cosmic powers to rearrange the universe. I'm Chelsea White, Senior News Editor at New Scientist. And I'm Leah Crane, Physics and Space Reporter at New Scientist. This episode is all about gravitational waves, which are ripples in space-time that happen when something massive moves around. Think a boat sailing through smooth waters, or a bowling ball rolling around on a huge trampoline. Or, like, say, two gigantic black holes just whipping through the universe and smashing into one another? Exactly. That is the best way to make gravitational waves, which is why most of the ones folks have spotted come from pairs of black holes spiraling together and merging. Yeah, and so the signs of those smash-ups are what scientists at gravitational wave detectors are looking for, right? Yeah, and these things are everywhere. They're rippling through the universe all the time. But for the most part, by the time they get to Earth, they're so weak that they're pretty much impossible to detect. But it would be cool if you could feel one. Yeah, or use them to destroy things. I mean, that's kind of our signature move. Yes, uh, but there's some big asks in there because first <laughs> we'd have to worry about how to make and control gravitational waves. And then we'd have to make and control one big enough to destroy anything. And by anything, I mean Earth. Yeah, or the solar system, or everything, everywhere, all at once. Today we're going to get into whether we could use gravitational waves to quite literally shake up the solar system and whip the planets away into the cosmos, or create a gravitational wave machine using black holes. Yeah, so these are some big questions, and we need an expert to help us answer them. So we chatted with Chris Berry from LIGO, and LIGO is a gravitational wave observatory with detectors in Washington State and Louisiana. And these are these absolutely huge detectors that use incredibly precise instruments to find tiny little changes in space-time, down to the width of a proton. So we asked Chris if it would be possible to make a gravitational wave on a human scale, one we could feel. Fantastic question. Yeah, so the classic thing that everyone always says when talking about gravitational waves is that they are minuscule, uh, which is partly true, but not always true. The thing is that they're minuscule by the time they traveled across the universe to reach us here at Earth. But when that the size of a gravitational wave amplitude decreases with the distance it travels, it's exactly the same as light, that if you have a light bulb that's further away, it appears dimmer because the amplitude of the light waves decreases. 
And gravitational waves, it's exactly the same, that the amplitude decreases inversely with, with distance. So if you halve the distance to the source, you're going to double the amplitude of the gravitational wave. So we can get bigger gravitational waves by traveling closer to a source. One of my, my favorite facts about gravitational waves is that at the moment that two black holes merge, the amount of energy they emit in that instantaneously, so that their power output, is higher in gravitational waves than the luminosity of all the stars in the visible universe added together. Okay. So then the next question is, how big does that actually become when you're really close to a source? And there it gets a bit complicated because gravitational waves are these ripples in space-time stretching and squeezing. And when you're very close to a source of gravitational wave, at least the, the gravitational waves we're talking about of, say, two black holes orbiting around each other, the space-time is really churned up, so it's not so easy to distinguish a wave from the underlying gravity itself. But if you're close to the source, you can basically get a stretching and squeezing, which instead of being one part in 20 to the 21, which is where the famous size of a proton comes from, it can be more like a stretching and squeezing of 100%. So you would be able to notice it. <laughs> so my body would double in size and then shrink. So yeah, so that's part one. So yeah, the gravitational waves are bigger. But the second thing is gravitational waves are a stretching and squeezing of space-time. So one of the things that we need to do to detect them, which is really difficult, is you need freely moving objects. So our mirrors in our LIGO, Virgo, Kagura detectors are very carefully isolated from everything around them so they can freely move, they can freely follow the space underneath them. You, uh, you, you know, your head and feet are connected to each other by something quite stiff. So you <laughs> won't, be, won't be stretched by something 100% because your body goes, you know, no, my atoms like being this distance apart. So you will undergo some stretching and squeezing, but you will not be elongated that much because your body will push back. Still seems like it might not feel that great. <laughs> no, you're, you're not going to have a fun time, I think is the conclusion, if you're very close. At this point, you're basically right next to two merging black holes. So as you can imagine, it's not just the gravitational waves you need to worry about, but the, the gravity from the black holes themselves which will be pulling you inwards and, and uh, there'll be the tidal forces of stretching you out uh, as well. Yeah, I'm already having a bad day if I'm feeling a gravitational wave. <laughs> yes, it's, it's basically the, the complete, if you're worrying about the size of the gravitational waves, you're probably in a position where you should be worrying about other things more. <laughs> okay. What I want to do in this fake universe, not in real life, because it would be very bad, would be create a very powerful gravitational wave, just like right next to Earth and see what would happen. <laughs> and I wonder if a gravitational wave could ever have enough power to just rip the planet apart. I think the answer is yes, it must be possible to create this. So I said, we'll have this stretching and squeezing of space and space time, which will stretch and squeeze the planet and the planet being stiff will resist that but if you, you keep increasing the size of the wave at some point the planet's no longer going to be resistant so you're going to start breaking it apart so i think potentially you could make something that big but the question i guess is, is how you would do that so you, yeah you need to be very close to a source which might just destroy the earth because it's right next to a black hole and gets right. uh, gets ripped <laughs> apart by the tidal forces but there are also some other things that we could maybe think of, which is the frequency of the gravitational waves. So just like many other types of waves, 
there's a, a certain frequency, so how rapidly you get your pattern of stretching and squeezing. So an object, pretty much, uh, I guess, objects in general have a, a resonant frequency. This is the frequency that if you were to hit them, they wobble backwards and forwards. It's their natural stretching and squeezing pace. So this is, you know, your tuning fork, you hit it and it vibrates at this frequency and it gives a particular note that you can hear. And it works the other way, that if you were playing that note, the pressure waves in the air would cause your tuning fork to vibrate and you'd get a coupling of the energy between them. The earth will have its own resonant frequencies. Right? If you hit the earth, it will vibrate at a particular frequency. It's one of the characteristic things that uh, geologists study in terms of earthquakes propagating through the earth and, and how it affects their structure. So maybe if you get a gravitational wave at a resonant frequency for the earth, you'll stretch and squeeze it at the right frequency and keep pumping energy into it. And so you'll stretch and squeeze the earth more and more and as time goes up and eventually you'll reach the point where it just starts pulling itself apart. This experiment has been done with bridges where if you vibrate a bridge at just exactly the right frequency, it'll fall apart. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so bridges are carefully engineered to have a whole bunch of different resonant frequencies so they don't overlap so we can avoid that. But yes, before, before we worked that out, that was a, a big issue. And yeah, so we could potentially do the same thing with the earth. I, I suggest talk to your friendly geologist about, about, about the best way to do that. But uh, that potentially works. And the earliest gravitational wave detectors... Uh, were designed to work on this principle as well. You basically just have a big block of metal, which would have a particular resonant frequency, and so you'd look for gravitational waves of that frequency coming in, causing this big block of metal to vibrate. That's so cool. Like, the universe is yelling at us at the right frequency, the right note, <laughs> and we could hear it. Well, yes. Uh, unfortunately, the, those, those detectors never made a successful detection, but that was the idea. Oh, okay, well, we couldn't hear it. <laughs> yeah. but, but maybe if we had a louder gravitational wave signal, we, we could have done, and so this is the same question, we could use the Earth as a detector, and if the Earth is destroyed, then yes, we have detected gravitational waves. <laughs> okay, great. We have a special offer for our listeners. You can get four weeks of New Scientist free, followed by a monthly subscription price of $9.99, that's in dollars or in pounds. You'll get unlimited access to our website and app, plus subscriber benefits including newsletters, essential guides, and invitations to subscriber-only events. Go to newscientist.com slash DPS offer to start your free month of New Scientist now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'd like to talk a little bit because it, there are a lot of complicating factors when you talk about black holes. And I wonder if we sort of had a magical gravitational wave machine, which I recognize is not actually plausible without having it 
have some big black holes, but let's say that it didn't. If we made an extraordinarily powerful gravitational wave and had it whip through the whole solar system, I'm wondering what would happen because in my mind, that would be just sort of like shaking a blanket and having a wave go through, but it's a wave in space-time, so it's not quite that, right? So you're thinking, could we disrupt the orbits of the planets in some way? Or would we? Yeah. (laughs) Or would they survive it depending on, I guess, the frequency and the amplitude? So I, th- I think the orbits would basically just go back there because they're just following the underlying structure of space-time. So that's oscillating backwards and forwards, but they're always being governed by the sun's gravity. So I don't think you'd need to worry about that too much from that point of view. But then that makes me wonder, is there a gravitational wave strong enough that it could break that tie of the sun's gravity? Or am I thinking about it wrong? If the gravitational wave came from the sun and we whipped it through the solar system... Can we fling off the planets? Or is that a misunderstanding of what's happening here? So the difficult thing here is that the way gravity works is you can't just have a sort of a wave appearing. You need to have some, some source <laughs> for it. So we, if we could magically make matter appear and disappear, so if we could create and destroy mass, which we can't do in the real universe because energy is conserved, energy is mass. But if we were to suddenly make the sun disappear, for example, which we have done here at Dead Planet Society, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so that would indeed, uh, you'd have a gravitational wave come out, denoting the fact that you had changed the gravity. And as that went out, that's when the planet would start flying off into space because there's no longer the gravity keeping them in orbit. So that would go with the gravitational wave, but it's not really the gravitational wave. It's really the change in the underlying static gravity. And we couldn't, in reality, get gravitational waves like that because we can't make matter appear and disappear in that way. And I think I've been sort of thinking about space-time as a sheet that we can shake, but when it comes down to it, everything is part of that sheet. Like, (laughs) we're in space-time, it's not on top of the sheet. Yes, yes. So the planets might shake, but they're shaking along with space-time, and they still end up in the same place. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like if you're on a surfboard in the ocean, and a big wave comes, and you just lay flat and you go with the wave. Not that you ride it, but like you can sort of just like let it pass under you. Yeah, you go up and then you go down and then things quieten down a bit and you're in the same same spot. I just wonder if you notice that because like I'm within space time also. So would that feel like moving or would it? I just wonder if, if that would even be noticeable to a person. Yeah, so you, you might have a bit of, you might feel the stretching and squeezing yourself. You know, you're under some pressure or tension and your body's resisting that. The thing which is perhaps most likely to pick it up might be your, your eardrum, because as that moves backwards and forwards, being stretched and squeezed, that's how you pick up sound waves. Do you, would it be like a single note? Well, it depends on the frequencies of the gravitational waves. If it was a single sure. frequency gravitational wave, that would be a single note. And with our, our black holes, they normally evolve in frequency. They start lower frequency when they're further apart, and then they spiral in together and, and chirp upwards in frequency. So... If you were right next to it, you might hear a boop. <laughs> I like that a lot. <laughs> I feel like in my head, I thought a gravitational wave would sound like whoom, whoom, whoom. Um, but I like that it's just like a cheerful whoop. Uh, yeah, I guess, yeah, we, we can get some bigger black holes and make it lower frequency, make it make it more, yeah, low, low frequency. And yeah, if you want it, the, the sort of thudding noise, we, yeah, we need to, to set up the black holes such that they, they have lots of spin. So no. Black holes 
uh, have two main properties that we care about. The, the black hole is formed in space, the mass, sort of how much they curve space-time and the spin, how much they drag space-time around with them. And so if we set them up with misaligned spins, then those, the spins wobble around and that causes the orbit to go backwards and forwards. And that would make your, your gravitational wave have an extra lumpy quality to it. Yes. So we could get the woom woom woom. Yeah, yes. I mean, it would still evolve and get quicker with frequency. We could make, yeah, maybe make a, a gravitational wave instrument by having many black holes of different sizes all orbiting each other. This is what I want. I love that we set out to like destroy the solar system and now we've just made a lovely little symphony or something. I would say little. Yeah, it's a very big symphony. You got it? <laughs> what you could do is if you had an array of black holes in the right shape, use the gravity of the black holes to focus gravitational waves together. And potentially that way you could get all sorts of interesting things coming together. Like you could have black holes of different sizes orbiting at different frequencies, so producing your gravitational waves of different notes, and then you could send that signal in whatever direction you'd like. So you could transmit your music to anywhere in the universe exactly the right way. In a deeply destructive way. As always. <laughs> That's what we do. And thank you to Christopher Barry and to you all for listening to Dead Planet Society. And if you enjoy our podcast, you might also enjoy my free monthly space newsletter at New Scientist, which is called Launchpad. You can check that out at newscientist.com slash launchpad. And finally, if you have any cosmic object you want us to figure out how to destroy, let us know, and it could be featured in a later episode of the podcast. Our email is deadplanets at newscientist.com. Or if you just want to chat about this episode, or, you know, wrecking the cosmos more generally, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Chels White. And I'm at Down Here on Earth. See you next time. When the gravitational wave astronomers start panicking, it's, it's definitely not a, not a good thing. Like if, if I'm ever on a flight and they go, is, is there a doctor on board? We need someone specializing in gravitational wave astronomy. It's like, whatever the problem is, I'm, I, I can't do anything to help. I'm just going to eat my peanuts and accept my fate. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast is produced by OG Podcasts. Find out more at ogpodcasts.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 